You're listening to Healthy Living with Eric Sue podcast, episode number 61. Are you a first-time listener? If you are, then welcome. I hope you enjoy this episode and all the past episodes. For all my long-time listeners, thank you for your continued support. You all can help this podcast by rating and reviewing this podcast on iTunes or Stitcher as it improves our ranking in the podcast world. Now, would it be okay if your friends began living a healthier lifestyle or ate more salads because of this podcast? If yes, then share it with them. Let's keep this movement growing. Now on to the show. It's another excellent day. Welcome to Healthy Living with Eric Sue Podcast. The one podcast that everyone agrees and says has the best fitness, nutrition, and healthy lifestyle advice in the world. And now your host, Eric Sue. Hey guys, Eric Sue here. Welcome to another episode of Healthy Living with Eric Sue. We have a unique and fun uh, Pilates instructor, and her name is Christine Hall. We, be t- we will be talking about integrating Pilates into your overall health and fitness program. So without any delay, let me introduce you all to Christine. Christine, are you ready to make it happen? I'm ready. I'm here. I'm willing and able. Awesome. Christine Hall is a PMA certified Pilates teacher with 10 years of teaching experience and five years as a studio owner. Christine has a passion for Pilates and fitness. Christine fell in love with Pilates more than 12 years ago after having her two children. In 2005-2006, she pursued and completed her mat and equipment certification through the Physical Mind Institute and has since developed a loyal following of clients. She, has, she was the owner or the co-owner of Urban Core Pilates Plus Fitness and has created its exciting and next evolution called Studio 8 Pilates. Christine, that was just a little bit about who you are. Would you be able to share a little bit mm-hmm. more and how you got started? Sure, absolutely. Um, thank you for that. It's, um, I, you know, I wrote that, but it's still nice to hear it live. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so I've always been um, a fitness-type person. I was raised in a family that was, um, and my parents were active golfers and tennis players, and, you know, in the, in the 80s, my mom was into aerobics and the gym stuff, and uh, she used I don't want to say make me, but she would kind of coerce me into going along with her. And I, I actually enjoyed most of the time. Um, the dancing to the oldies stuff was not really for me. But um, And then my dad was a runner um, in addition. So he got me into running short races, 5Ks and such, when I was a very young kid, probably around 10, 12. And I really liked that. Um, just for the fun of the race and the competition side of it. And I kind of continued down that fitness path, uh, played competitive tennis in high school and um, was a cross-country runner. I was never fast enough to be a sprinter, but I had good endurance. I'm a, I'm a pretty small person, so running to me came kind of naturally. Um, and I know that's not the case for a lot of people. It's not the case for me anymore. In my late 40s, my knees no longer like that long distance. Um, but Pilates helps with that. Uh, and um, after I got out of college and I was starting my career, I ended up, you know, I was a finance major. I ended up sitting in a desk like a lot of people do for a lot of hours every day for many years on end. So I found myself very sedentary during the day, and then I would run to the gym and do something really crazy, and that worked okay in my 20s, 
but um, I started to feel a little bit, you know, less flexible, a little bit more tight, a little bit more pain maybe in my upper back from lifting weights or in my knees from running, as I stated before. And then, you know, but I still push through it because as an athlete, you just kind of work with pain. Um, until I became, I hit the next decade into my 30s and had a couple kids. And I adore my children, but I often say I can blame them for a lot of my physical problems uh, that ensued after that. Um, I had, you know, I had one, I had one child and I had some issues. Um, and then I had my second child and he was a boy and he was a very, very large baby. And, um, yeah, so a lot of pelvic region area issues that led me into physical therapy because I could no longer do all those high impact things that I love to do, um, without a lot of pain. Um, I think my hips were out of alignment. I know that because my pants were uneven after I had my kids. And in general, just dysfunction in the pelvic, pelvic floor region. Um, there's a lot of things that go on with women that used to be kind of taboo to talk about, about prolapse, pelvic floor problems. And there's a lot of optional surgeries out there that have been recalled. And that was what was op- it was given to me as an option back in, you know, 2001. And I didn't really like the idea of, of, of a foreign implement to do the job of what used to be musculature. So I said no to the surgery, and I said, what's my option B? And my doctor kind of like, you know, shrugged his shoulders and said, well, I guess you can try PT. Mm. And I said, okay, well, what kind of physical therapy do I do? And he goes, well, I'm not real familiar with that. You're going to have to talk to them. So this is, you know, over over a decade and a half ago when physical therapy wasn't so prevalent for, for these female issues. Mm. And what I did in, in physical therapy for a long time, for many, many months, almost a year, twice a week, was Pilates. I just didn't know it at the time. Um, a lot of small, low, deep abdominal movements, um, a lot of rotation to get your strength and your flexibility back in your low back. You know, people are mistakenly, people mistakenly think that the core is the six pack, the rectus abdominis on the surface of the front of your body. But what it really is, is all these deeper layers of abdominal muscles. There's four different groups of abdominal muscles. And then, of course, there's right and left oblique, Mm -hmm. external oblique and internal oblique. And so we got into that stuff without me really knowing what we were doing. And this gap I had in my abdomen that was causing all my problems drew together, even though the doctor told me it would never come together without surgery. So it took a while, but I proved him wrong. I didn't go back to him as a doctor. <laughs> mm. um, and it just sparked my interest in this stuff that I was doing because I'd never done anything slow with thought, with breath um, before. I'd always been athletic. And I just, you know, you breathe. When you're a runner, you just breathe. Right. You might breathe in through your nose and out through your mouth, but you don't really slow down your breathing and work with your central nervous system. And um, so this Pilates-type stuff I was doing, once she um, discharged me, the physical therapist, I said, okay, now what do I do? Because I'm totally freaked out. I love coming to you, but obviously the insurance company is not going to pay forever. So she said, go find a Pilates teacher. And I said, I don't even know what you're talking about. Where am I going to find that? She goes, I don't know. Google it. <laughs> so this is, you know, this is so long ago. Google wasn't such a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I happened to be lucky to find someone um, at my child's school, my, my oldest was in preschool at the time. She was three or maybe four. And um, I happened to mention what I had gone through to another mom. And, a mom and, and that mom said to me, you know, I think there's a mom 
in your kid's class who's starting a Pilates studio. And I was like, you're kidding me. Mm. So I sought her out. I actually started working for her. I sorry, I'm sorry, I started being a client of hers when she was just starting. She literally had one piece of equipment, one reformer in her house, mm-hmm. not even a real studio. Mm. But she was, she was about four or five months away from opening her studio. But she's like, start now. Um, you might as well keep going. You've got your momentum going. And I loved it. And um, when she opened her studio, I had already quit my corporate job because I just wasn't spending any time with my kids. And I was trying to be kind of a stay-at-home mom, which I knew wasn't going to be long-term because I really like working. Um, but I knew that being in finance and traveling for work, and they were kind of hounding on me to get my MBA. And I just didn't want to pull that much time away from my kids' right. upbringing. Um, so I wanted to find something else. So this kind of accidentally fell in my lap. Um, and once I started training with her and completely fell in love with it, um, I knew I fell in love with it because I was starting to tell, to lie to people about how often I was doing it. Right. <laughs> They're like, are you a little obsessed? I'm like, no, no, no. I'm only doing it, you know, like once a week and lie, lie, lie. I was actually going to her like, and, and she was only doing private. So it got really expensive. So I was like, I got to figure out a way. Mm to do this for a living because this this really worked for me and I know there's a million other women out there that could benefit from this. So that was kind of the groundwork. I started working at her front desk and I went into training, not at her studio because she was brand new. She did not have a training program, but at a different studio um, on the North Shore of Chicago in Highland Park, Chicago, and um, or Highland Park, Illinois. And uh, I did the accelerated training because I had been a client um, and been doing a lot of Pilates for a good six to eight months. So she allowed me to come into the accelerated program. So within two months after that, I was practice teaching, and I was probably horrible at the beginning because I had no history of teaching anything mm-hmm. other than finance. Yeah. Um, but kind of worked a lot in my first few years, and I worked in her studio in Chicago, and then she opened another studio in Deerfield, and kind of at, at one point after about four, four and a half years of working for her, um, she decided to kind of close down her studio because she was in the North Shore so often. It was just, it's not a mm. it's not a great drive to do every day. Mm. So then I, um, with another teacher in the studio, we opened Urban Core Pilates, and that was in 2010. And right away, we had a huge following. We had a lot of the clients from the old studio come with us, um, and we moved to a storefront and had a lot of just you know kind of walk in business. We built our clientele, and then most of our continued repeated business was word of mouth mm-hmm. because one person would get relief either from back pain or rehab from an injury or a pregnant woman like I had an experience would just refer friends and so we just came and running and we had a great uh, you know the business model of Pilates is, is my teachers and we trained our teachers um, we trained actually three clients that came to us and said I really love this work I want to teach it um, one of them wanted to do it full time. The other one, another one was a mom and she wanted something on the side, kind of like what I was doing, although mine ended up being full, a full time job, which is a different kind of full time than finance because I'm working close to home and my clients are parents. And if my kid has a program, I have to be there at noon. I can move a client. It's much different mm-hmm. than working, you know, which is why I love the flexibility. Um, and then the third woman was a physical therapist and she wanted to have, she wanted to advance her training. And she's still one of my teachers. Um, She is amazing. She's been a physical therapist for 25 years. And so people who have really, are really nervous about physical fitness and exercise, 
um, who have previous injury uh, really like going to someone who's got all this accreditation. I'm not a physical therapist or a doctor, mm-hmm. but um, she's, she's a, a full-time PT. So we have women from kind of all walks of life that come in, and now we have a ton of men. Now, the, at the beginning of my career, we didn't have a lot of male clients um, because, you know, there's this misnomer that it's kind of, you know, easy and soft and slow and boring and you don't sweat and you got to breathe. And, you know, it's got a little bit of that mentality. So when I get these big guys come in and they're like, this looks kind of weird, but I'll try it. You know, they're amazed. And usually within one or two sessions, they're pretty hooked because they feel they don't know. They don't know what they're really what they're doing at the beginning. Nobody really does. But somewhere along the lines of their first few sessions, they can't explain it, but they're like, but I woke up and my back didn't hurt. Mm. And I don't really know why, because I didn't really feel like I was working yesterday. Yeah. So we get a lot of that with the guys, and then they get hooked, right. and they love it. And, so. and actually, what's what's ironic or maybe interesting, some people may not, may not realize, but Pilates was invented or developed by a male, right? Absolutely. So Joseph Pilates is obviously a man. Um, he was a German-born man. He was um, injured. You, you know, he was a gymnast. Uh, his father was a naturopath. There was some circus stuff going on in his family. There's a lot of stories and urban legends because he may or may not have had kids, but the kids never came forward. He may or may not have had three wives. There's a lot of like innuendo in Germany yeah. <laughs> about this man. But he did end up building this, it was called Contrology or Controlology, um, if you spell it out. And um, he built it to help rehabilitate soldiers, mm. men who were injured from war, from carrying heavy bags, their backs were all jacked up. And um, he built the first machine kind of based around someone who was in bed reclining. And he took apart the bed and the bed springs and created the first reformer and the first tra- trapeze table. So it was built for men. If you look at, you know, you can Google old images of Joseph Pilates. He's this kind of stocky guy, really muscular. It kind of reminds me of my grandfather, mm-hmm. um, who was born in the late 80s and, um, you know, died the year I was born, died in 1967. So he lived to be almost 90. Um, and the only reason he died was he was in an accident. He had, they autopsied him and said he had the organs of like a 40-year-old mm-hmm. from all that breath work and he did a lot of calisthenic type stuff in addition to Pilates and, you know, the Pilates mat repertoire was really important to him. And you can see images online of him um, in his very limited clothing because he wore <laughs> kind of what looks like a little bit larger than a men's white brief to work out in. Oh, okay. So a little controversial. Okay. Yeah. Today you wouldn't be caught dad doing that. You'd probably, you'd probably have a problem and maybe clients would think you were crazy, but um you could see the musculature of his body, and he, he had his, you know, and when he came to New York, he most of his clients became women by fault of the, he was in New York City, and his uh, studio was in the same building as a ballet company. Mm. So he had a lot of the ballerinas who were, you know, there were few men, but typically women, coming to him with back problems and foot problems and neck problems and arm issues, and he was called Dr. Joe, and they would say, go get fixed by Dr. Joe. Um so it, it evolved definitely to being a lot of women. And then those people that he trained in New York became his first level of teachers. So the, mm. they call it their lineage teachers. So first generation, 
so they happened to be mostly women. There were a few men, but mostly women who came out to kind of teach Pilates after he, you know, when he stayed in New York and um, teachers started spreading out. So there's kind of factions of first-generation teachers spread out throughout the United States and the world now. Mm. Um, but, yeah, it's, uh, it's taken quite a bit of time for us to let everyone know. You know, Matt Forte, who is a Chicago Bears player, yep. played, played yesterday. Uh, unfortunately, they lost. Yeah. But uh, number 22, he's great. I love him. He's one of my family's favorite players. He's a really nice guy. A lot of people in Chicago know him, know his wife. They do a lot of philanthropy philanthropic work having trouble with my words today um but uh he he does pilates very frequently and i posted a video to my facebook page of him doing it his flexibility for a big guy you know he's a smaller guy because he's a he's a um, running back Mm. but it's un it's unfathomable Mm. i have women who are little tiny women who cannot you know he's practically doing the splits on the reformer in one of the videos so it's i like that they showed a big linebacker doing, or a big running back doing Pilates online, and um, I don't know where his studio is. I'm assuming it's probably on the North Shore wow, where his family lives. Facts, very good, uh, Christine. I'm just curious yeah. to know what else could you share with our audience regarding how they could, how our audience can start Pilates. What would you uh, advise them to to look into or try? What would you suggest? Yeah. Yeah, so another another issue with Pilates that we hear a lot is that it's expensive, and it is. It is um, private Pilates instruction is expensive. It's like you're hiring. It's not like you are hiring a personal trainer. So the, one of the differences between hiring a personal trainer and hiring a Pilates instructor, if you do your homework and make sure you're going to a certified trainer, is that your trainer should have gone through a 400 or 500-hour training which takes a very long time and it's really expensive to do because the training program is expensive to run. Um, it takes time away from the studio. The teacher has to be very well qualified and acknowledged by our association. And many, many, many hours are spent developing the materials. And obviously, nobody wants to run a bad training program. Unfortunately, some of them are better than others. So that said, um, you know, prices range from in Chicago, anywhere from probably $55, $60 an hour, upwards of $150. I've heard of that high wow. um, based on wow. experience. Yeah, and, you know, some, some teachers who have been teaching a long time increase their prices because they just are they have waiting lists and they just have to kind of limit, you know. I, I don't do that because it's just my opinion. Um, I'd rather say to someone, you know, I don't have time in my schedule. I would love to see you. But... I, my max is 80 bucks. Mm. Um, I don't. I don't think I'll ever go higher than that because I don't want. I, I don't know. I don't want it to sound elitist, and that, mm. and we do get that reputation sometimes. Mm. Um, comparing, you know, to the yoga studio down the street where they can fit in 60 people in a class. Obviously, they're charging 10 dollars because of that. Mm. So it's a different exercise. I always recommend privates. However, I completely acknowledge. Sometimes it's just not in the budget. I offer at my studio, your first two privates are $99. A lot of my clients come in, they do the two privates, they get familiar with the equipment, they go right into group classes. And that drops your price somewhere between $25 and $35, depending on how many you buy. Um, which to some people still is expensive if you want to do it a couple times a week. If you add that up, it's a few hundred bucks a month. Mm-hmm. Now, I went into this business because I couldn't afford to do privates long term and I really wanted to become a teacher. But now I do mostly group. 
I mean, I pay for my group classes. I don't do them at my own studio. And if I do, um, I still, you know, pay the teacher. But um, you can do Pilates mat at most gyms, which is a great way to start in on the program. And that's usually in incorporated into your monthly fee. Um, I will say that, mm, I don't want to say those too many teachers. There's a lot of teachers that are really well trained. And there are some mat teachers that are trained in a weekend. So again, just mm -hmm. do your homework. Um, I prefer going to Pilates studios where I know, um, you know, usually teachers are broken out by experience level. So in my studio, we have a tier two and a tier one program. So tier one is just someone who has under three or four years of experience. And then over that, um, actually over five is, is tier two. And so you're going to pay another $10 an hour for more experience, which is necessary if you have an injury. If you have had back surgery, if you've had... Um, disc surgery, a bulging disc. If you currently are dealing with something in PT, you're definitely going to want to see someone with a lot of experience. They've seen more bodies. Most likely they've seen an issue with a spine that you have because they're very, very common, unfortunately, in our society with people sitting all day. And I'm seeing more neck issues now with the iPhone and the mm -hmm. iPad and, you know, the tech, we call it the tech neck. Um, and I think you know, good for me, it's going to keep us in business, but bad for yeah. bad for our spines in general. So, you know, I really recommend um, doing Pilates at least once a week. Um, some people say twice. Um, I think that if you can do, after your initial few privates, if you can do a mat class and a group equipment class, which gets us on the reformer, so there's, there's a couple different ways to do mat, uh, I'm sorry, to do Pilates on the mat is a little cheaper because you're not actually using the equipment. And um, teacher training is a little different for that type of training. Can, real quick. So, yeah, Christine, I would just recommend. Go ahead. I was going to ask, what yeah, what is like the um, major differences, if there are, um, between someone doing, a, you know, a video, a mat Pilates video at home, and then going into a studio and, and um, taking a, a class. Is there a huge difference? Yeah. I, there, there is at the beginning, for sure. I don't say, well, I shouldn't even say that because I just did a class yesterday and the woman was adjusting me and I had been doing Pilates for 12, 13 years. So the difference is your hands, you don't have anyone touching you and directing you on what to do with your spine. A lot of the movements in Pilates are really subtle and you can do them incorrectly. And, you know, on the equipment, which you would never do at home unless you have a reformer at home, which I don't really recommend for people who aren't trained um, to teach it. But um, if you're on the mat and you've learned mat in a set studio setting and you are on the road, it's absolutely fine to pull up Pilates anytime, which is a great way to um, do inexpensive classes online. Or there's a, there's a million apps for the iPhone nice. that you could do Pilates. But it's way better if you learn it from someone who professionally teaches it first. Um, after that, I don't think there's anything wrong with doing mat on the floor. I mean, we train our mat teachers not to be a video. We train them to get up off the mat, show something, demo it, but get up off the mat and go physically adjust people. A lot of people learn by touch or by um, uh, hands-on cues, and that's how I that's how I learn. Like I don't. I don't even know I'm doing something if I don't have a mirror and then I'm like, oh, I am doing that. That feels totally different. And the most subtle little cue with a, you know, a finger or a poke can help you really access that. Um, plus, you have someone telling you to slow down, to inhale, to exhale, to, you know, 
I like the voice of um, someone come in, someone stretching out, uh, standing over you and saying, Chris, untuck your pelvis, or Chris, tuck your pelvis, mm -hmm. or do something, yeah. you know, that you might not hear if that person is a video. Got it. And it's not stopping for you. Got it. Uh, I, inherently, nothing wrong with Matt um, doing that from home or on the road. I think it's a great option. Um, I will tell you that I had to relearn after all my athletic years of doing sit-ups and all of those things. I had to relearn how to do, uh, we call them a chest curl. It used mm. to be called a sit-up or a crunch. Mm. Crunch isn't a word we use in Pilates because that implies shortening everything. Mm. So we teach, we teach the fundamentals usually to a new client. So you can't really, if you're coming to an advanced mat class, you're not really going to get the fundamental attention you need to learn those fundamentals. And although it is somewhat kind of tedious at the beginning, especially if you're in really good shape and you think you know what you're doing. But I will tell you, I got schooled so many times the first few years um, that I, I, you know, obviously I drink the Kool-Aid, but I'm a big advocate of starting slow and building up. And, you know, um, most people really understand that once they do it. It's just getting the commitment yeah. to do it a few times a week, at least at the beginning. Um, me, and then trying to this, stick Christina, with it. Um, I'm sure that you get a lot of people who are like, is Pilates good for weight loss? You know, that type of question. How would you respond to that? Yeah. Or how would you um, let people know what Pilates is really good for? Yeah, so Pilates is great for building muscular strength, but also at the same time lengthening your muscles. So it's great at building long-toned muscle. It is not the biggest calorie burner you can do, but you cannot burn calories if you're in pain. You'll do something wrong, and your form will get worse during your workout if you're not using the right form and muscle. So it's a amazing, it's the best, in my opinion, cross training to anything else. Do I recommend people only do Pilates? No, I don't. I do high impact interval um, circuit training. That's my cardio now. In my 20s, I ran. In my 30s, I tried to run. I cycled a lot. I did a lot of cycling classes, um, and now. I do short bursts of high impacts of like jumping squats or, um, you know, TRX or something like that to get my heart rate up. Um, in addition to Pilates and some version three, four, five days a week. I might not do an hour or five days a week, but I do, I do some sort of it because you really do build flexibility and strength at the same time. When you're running, you're building strength and you're shortening and tightening your muscles. Um, so it's kind of the exact opposite, which is why I like, you know, I get a lot of runners, especially in August, September, when they're all injured training for the marathon in Chicago. Um, and they're like, I don't know what happened. All of a sudden, one day my knee started hurting and that's just mileage. Mm -hmm. By the end of August, people are running 20 miles in one morning. So, so, so it's a great. Uh, I was going to say, Christine, that, um, you know, there are a lot of. Uh, people who are overweight, uh, losing that, lose so many X pounds, and they may be um, shying away from Pilates due to the fact that um, it's not the biggest calorie burner out there compared to maybe like a Zumba yeah. or a, you know, whatever cardio class. So, so, but yeah. you're encouraging those people to try it even still, right? I think it's really important to, here's the thing once you've gained, you know, over 20 pounds, kind of over your ideal weight. Your joints and your organs are get, are kind of taking a little bit of a beating. And obviously, there's a lot of people that have gained more than 20 pounds. I mean, I, I've gained, gained and lost weight in the past 
you know, I'm a small person. So 10 pounds on me makes me feel like I'm carrying a suitcase on my back. So if, you know, I have my, um, my, my mother is a good example. So she's in her early 70s and in her 60s, like a lot of women postmenopausal has gained about 15, 20 pounds and felt sluggish. Um, obviously that could be hormonal, but, um, the weight gain really puts a lot of pressure on your organs. Breathing becomes a little bit inhibited. The knees start to ache. Your hips start to hurt. So adding Pilates to her golf game and her walking, she does a three mile walk every morning. She lives in Florida, um, has really improved her stroke, her, her golf stroke. And the fact that she can golf 18 holes, sometimes more than 18 holes in one day and wake up the next morning without back pain to me, is is a life choice. So if you want to be in pain, go out and hit the pavement and run, you know, eight miles every day. And I know plenty of people who do that. Um, but, you know, you do burn you do burn calories. You're not going to burn five, 600 calories in an hour. Um, I will tell you, though, in our jump board class, my heart rate gets really high. Um, that's a class where you lay on the reformer and your feet face usually a foot bar. And in jump board, we replace it with this big... Um, platform, vertical platform, and you jump off of it. Mm. So on that, if you're going a little heavier, it's more cardio. If you're going lighter, it's all abs. Mm. So you're, mm. It's kind of fun jumping on your back. Um, we offer that class about five times a week. So in that class, you would your heart rate would get a little higher. Um, yeah, so, you know, I really think it's a great addition. I think everybody should do it. I think it's for everybody. I have, you know, I have a 16-year-old client. I have an 81-year-old client. Nice. Very so... Good. You know, I, I, I'm pretty everything sure, in between. Yeah, I'm pretty sure everyone um, wants or at least thinks they can do Pilates because it's not really um, strenuous compared to some other activities, right? So it's low impact, which is amazing, especially when you're coming from an injury or post-surgical or post-rehab. Um, you know, I have, I have pregnant women that work out with me to the day they have the baby. I have pregnant women that have the baby and 10 days later they come back as long as their doctor says it's okay. And most of the time they're like, it's Pilates, it's fine. Um, I have pregnant women that I can see their obliques when they're nine months pregnant, which is not typical, but it's happened. I also have, um, you know, people who have broken a bone in their foot and they can still do Pilates because we're not standing. We're laying on your back. So, yeah, it's non-strenuous. Even the jump board class is low-impact cardiovascular. So you're landing on a soft surface. You're not beating the pavement vertically. You don't have all your body weight hitting down, which is what leads to kind of the breakdown of the knees. And a lot of cardiovascular activities are going forward in the same motion over and over and over and over, like cycling and running, um, tennis and basketball, and a little bit with the more of the baseball sports do a little bit more lateral movement. But um, for the most part, you're working the front of your body, your quads, and then your hamstrings. And, you know, I get a lot of runners in that have no inner thigh or outer thigh strength and no glute strength. Mm. So it's, we work on all those um, kind of smaller muscles that you don't necessarily need um, or you don't necessarily address in other cardiovascular stuff. Mm. So we work a lot on hip, the hip girdle, the hip strength. We work a lot on shoulder girdle, a lot of women – um, have rotator cuff injuries later in life from picking up stuff. Mm. So, so real quick here, if I uh, can conclude, it's already a 30 minutes in and you did amazing, uh, so much good information. Um, I wanted to ask if you could share with our audience uh, maybe some 
tips, three fitness tips. Uh, my audience really likes to listen to the, this part. Three fitness tips for health and wellness, and then how people can get a hold of you. Only three. Um, let's see here. Well, one would be just start moving, do something. Um, we are a very sedentary society. Uh, I work with a lot of men and women, you know, 50 or over. I hear a lot, you know, I'm 48 and I'm not like tooting my own horn, but people are like, oh, you don't look 48. I'm like, that's because I'm moving. I do stuff every day. I climb the stairs instead of the elevator, you know, basic stuff. Um, but there's a lot of people that walk to the car, drive to the desk, drive back, to, you know, they don't move. Um, drive to the Starbucks. <laughs> so do something um, active every day. And, and for me, number two, you got to put it on your calendar. Um, my software system that I use at my, at my studio is MindBody. They have a, an amazing app called MindBody Connect. It links to your iPhone. Every workout I have scheduled for the week is on there, and I pay for the class whether I go to it or not. So guess what? I go to the class. So sign up for stuff that you're going to get penalized that you don't, you don't go to. Going to the gym doesn't work for me. I don't belong to a gym. Mm -hmm. um, and then mix it up. Yeah, I'm a big believer in Pilates, but I, that's not all I do. I cycle. I do, like I mentioned, HIIT, interval training. Um, I have a lot of friends at other studios. They come to my studio. I go to their studio. Um, there's more now than ever. You've got all these amazing options. Just on Lincoln Avenue on the north side of Chicago, we've got like 30 studios that you can hop around to. Um, I'm on my way to one right now, two o'clock class. <laughs> Very good. How do people get a hold of you, Christine? So they can reach me at studio8chicago.com. They can also call the studio at 773-857-1592. Um, they can also email hello at studio8chicago.com. That's eight, the number, right in the middle of those two words, studio and Chicago. Excellent. We'll make sure we get that in the show notes. Um, this was a quick 30. I hope you had a great time. I really have to get out there and experience yeah. it myself. We'll may, uh, maybe set that up soon. I know you're really busy out there. Um, really great information, Christine. Glad we were able to do this. I wanted to let you go, and I really appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Eric. Great talking to you, and I hope to see you soon. Okay. Bye. All right. Take care. Bye. Thank you so much for joining us today on Healthy Living with Eric Sue. Head over to Eric W. Sue for full recaps of every show and Eric's health and wellness blog. Your healthy living life is waiting for you, so stay active and be safe.